At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This is the look ahead on VSN, the sports betting network. It's hour number three of the look ahead with myself, Guy Eubes Pearson, holding it down for Scott Seidenberg. If you're out there on the East Coast, happy 4th of July to you. You're out here on the West Coast with myself out here in lovely Las Vegas. It's going to be a few hours before then, but Hopefully all of you guys have a safe and a just absolutely fun 4th of July. I'm here in this hour to try to make it a little bit more profitable for you as we're going to be running through some games that we're going to be getting in Major League Baseball. And then in about 15 minutes, we're going to be joined by a gentleman out there on the East Coast, Will Hill. He does a great job with our New York CityCast. As we've got CityCast, which is a podcast that just based around more of your local teams. Like we've got one for New York. Danny Burke does a terrific job with the one for Chicago. Holden Kushner with the Denver, Colorado City cast. Daniel Ovari out there in Los Angeles. We've got a bunch of them, and all these folks do absolutely amazing work. Will is going to be joining me in 15 minutes. Going to be talking about the New York teams. Might bring up the Jalen Brunson signing as well, if we've got a little bit of time with him as well. So that is going to be a lot of fun. But how about if we wind up taking a look at a team that is not out there in New York when it comes to taking a look at the game of baseball, as we're actually going to go out here to the West Coast, as this is the biggest favorite that I'm seeing on the board. This is 961-962 on the betting board. The Colorado Rockies, they're on the road. They're facing off against the LA Dodgers. Julio Rios is going to be going for the Dodgers. And Kyle Freeland is on the bump for Colorado. And Colorado, well, they're a big, giant underdog. You're finding them anywhere between about a plus 135 to a, or a plus 235 to a plus 245. Meanwhile, with the Dodgers, anywhere between minus 270 and minus 290. Total on this game is 8.5. And, a half. and let me tell you right now, if you're looking about the L.A. Dodgers, you really do not want to be taking these big, chalky money lines. And the big reason why is that pretty much with the L.A. Dodgers, it's very, very rare that you're going to be finding them as a favorite, which means that if you're taking a look at the run line, oftentimes you're going to be laying a run and a half. You're seeing that in this circumstance right now at DraftKings. You're finding that run line right around about a minus 135. You're seeing them, depending upon where you look, anywhere between about a minus 130 to a minus 135. But... When it comes to this LA Dodgers team thus far this season, just in terms of straight up record, they are finding themselves one of the best teams out there in the big leagues, 49 and 29 overall. But when it comes to the run line out of those 49 wins that the Dodgers have been able to have, they have won 45 of those games by multiple runs. So that means that in only four instances in which you wind up taking the run line and you wind up being able to reduce this just monstrous amount of juice have you wound up coming up with a loss? And 
when it comes to baseball betting, it's a little bit more of a marathon rather than a sprint because this is a money line sport in which you're not going to be finding too many bets on a money line in which you're able to take at a minus 110 because this is just not a spread sport where you wind up having a team where you're like in football, you're looking at just do you wind up laying the hook on like a seven to a seven and a half or something like that. You've got a baseball game in which you're looking at the win, you're looking at the loss, or you're looking at the run line. So you're going to be finding a lot more of these chalkier numbers. But with that said, with the LA Dodgers, when you've been laying the run and half, it's been going well for you. Meanwhile, if you've bet this team every single game on the money line, you would be down $637 prior to the loss that we wound up seeing on Sunday. So with Sunday's loss, you're down a little bit over $800 thus far this year if you've been taking them on the money line in every single game. Meanwhile, if you take them on the run line in every single one of those games, these losses of like minus $2, they become more like a minus 110 when they're at home. On the road, it's going to be a little bit bigger, but you're still reducing that juice very much so. And then you're in quite a few cases with regards to a run line, especially if it's like a minus 150, minus 160 at home, you're able to get a little bit of a plus price. That just makes it so much more profitable. And it's just so important that even in a money line sport like Major League Baseball, like NHL, that you keep in mind, you're not betting teams, you are betting numbers. And you're betting to be able to profit long term, not just in this one particular game. Because you might have an instance in which the Dodgers might wind up pulling off a one-run win, but if you still have taken the run line instead of the money line in every one of these games, you have been so much more profitable with this team rather than just laying these ridiculous like minus 250, minus 260. In this case, this case we're getting up to minus 280 on the LA Dodgers, and I think that that's so important because I, I do like the run line here with the LA Dodgers. I just don't see a lot of value in a Colorado Rockies team that they always are just so different home to road. This is a Colorado Rockies team that at home they're one of the best offenses in baseball. They've been able to, as a matter of fact, score the most runs per game of any team out there in Major League Baseball when they're at home. They're averaging right around 5.8 runs per game. On the road, three runs per game. It's a 2.75 run per game differential, and it gets even more ridiculous when you take a look at the power numbers of the Colorado Rockies because at home, they're not leading the league in terms of home runs, but you know what? They're doing a relatively solid job. They're getting about 1.25 home runs per game. That's right around 10th in the big leagues. When they're on the road, 0.5 home runs per game. As a matter of fact, they're being outslugged by the Detroit Tigers on the road right now. So this is a Colorado Rockies team that they're vastly different. Now, the one thing that I will say about this Rockies team in terms of their home and road was you've got one guy that has performed significantly better on the road than at home. That'd be Kyle Freeland. He's got north of a 5 year at home on the road. That winds up shrinking to a 292. He's been relatively steady. Eddie does do a solid job but be able to have command a guy that has not been giving up a lot of walks. He is going to give up a little bit of contact because just not much of a strikeout guy, giving you right around some punch outs per nine innings, but has been able to do a solid job. And it's been interesting taking a look at Julio Rios because last season when he wound up being the lone 20-game winner out there in the big leagues, 13 of those wins wound up actually coming on the road. And towards the beginning part of this season, he and really the entirety of the Dodgers' rotation was pitching significantly better when they were on the road rather than home. We've seen these splits be able to even out a little bit more as Julio Rios, home to road. He's been relatively equal, but he's been dealing recently, has been solved with regards to his command as well. Eight and a half strikeouts per nine innings, right around 2.2 walks per nine. And the one good thing that you want to gain with the Dodgers losing on Sunday is that Craig Kimbrell wanted to gain used up, and now you don't have to worry about him. It sounds almost counter- counterintuitive, but 
I would rather have someone like an Evan Phillips in the game rather than Craig Kimball right now because he's not been good. In his last seven appearances, a 7-11 ERA. He is always open to giving up runs for you. As a matter of fact, in like his last 11 games, he's got north of a 6 ERA. This guy just has not been good, and a lot of the big names out there in this LA Dodgers bullpen, they have not performed very well. It's been guys like Evan Phillips, Reyes Moranta, someone that we wound up seeing on Sunday, and Yancey Almonte that have actually been your more trustworthy bullpen pieces. Meanwhile, for the Colorado Rockies, there's just not a lot of desire to be backing this bullpen. They've got north of a 4-7 ERA as a collective. And for the Colorado Rockies, it has been a little bit of a better go of it for this bullpen over the last 30 days. They've been league average. They've been posting up right around a 3-6 ERA over the last 30. So give them a little bit of credit where credit is due. But got a lot of guys with demonstrative home and road splits, even when it comes to the bullpen as well. Even someone like a Justin Lawrence, Lucas Gilbreth, these guys, they've been performing vastly different. And I mean, the good news for the Colorado Rockies is that they do wind up having Chris Bryant back in the fold. He wound up returning about a week or so ago. He's sort of been in and out of the lineup as he's still been dealing with a little bit of ailment, but they've been able to get him back. But for the Dodgers, big thing with this team is that Mookie Betts on Sunday wound up returning, and he still leads the team in home runs. And it's been interesting to take a look at this LA Dodgers team because Cody Bellinger, I still firmly believe that he is still being a victim of the injury that we wound up seeing in that 2020 World Series where he wound up celebrating that good catch. He wound up popping out his shoulder. I think that it's had some lingering effects, and I think that it's something that has really went under the radar because ever since then, this guy has just went straight down the toilet bowl in regards to his production. It has not been good. Meanwhile, you take a look at some of the other guys for the scene. Max Muncie has not been able to perform. Justin Turner, he's actually been able to pick it up over the last 15 days. Still hitting only for the season about a 2.30, though. But you do have at the top, Trey Turner, Freddie Freeman, a pair of guys hitting above a 3 for the team. Freeman seems to be coming around a little bit more in terms of the power end. I do think that you're going to be able to get a good start here out of Julio Rios. So this is a situation which I'm going to be taking a look at the Dodgers on the run line. This is just a rocky team that is vastly different home to row. But I mean, it's just a case in which if you're taking a look at the money line, I think that this has just gotten up way too lofty. And I think that it's very important that when you do wind up finding this Dodgers team, with regards to this big of a money line, either look run line or you wind up taking a look at the other side because we have not been seeing a lot of run one-run games with the LA Dodgers, unlike what we've been seeing really league-wide. So a little bit of inside baseball in terms of that one. And then I was talking a little bit earlier last hour about the Guardians versus the Tigers double dip, and I probably am going to be taking a look at both of these games under. With regards to games two, because we don't have an official starter for the Cleveland Guardians, it is TBD, but... As long as I'm getting pretty much a total of an eight or greater, and right now the one listed game in Garrett Hill versus Zach Plesac, that is a total that is at an eight and a half, and I like that one under. I'll probably be looking there, but in terms of Plesac versus the Garrett Hill game, I do think that it's an interesting handicap with this because you do have a Cleveland Guardians team coming off of an emotional series against the New York Yankees, one of which involved a doubleheader on Saturday, but I did wind up saying the Guardians right around about a minus 142-ish favorite, and if you're taking a look at this right now, it wound up opening up with the Guardians being right around a minus 135 favorite right now. At current numbers, you're finding it anywhere between about a minus 135 to a minus 145. And at a minus 140 or less, I'm going to be in on this team. Now with the Cleveland Guardians, you don't have a lot of power when it comes to this team. Jose Ramirez has really been your main form of that with 16 home runs. But you're able to throw in there Ramirez, Andres Jimenez, Josh Naylor, Stephen Kwan. Guys like this have been able to hit a 275 or greater. And for the Cleveland Guardians... Right now, they lead the big leagues in terms of fewest strikeouts per nine innings and fewest strikeouts on a per at-bat basis, so they've done a great job of being able to move the line. Meanwhile, for the Detroit Tigers, 
I mean, let's just go down the list. Javi Baez, Jonathan Scope, Jamir Candelario, Eric Haas, Cody Clement, Spencer Torkelson. I mean, name off your guys are hitting a 215 or lower for the team. And I mentioned the sad in the last hour, and it's worth bearing the repeating. For the New York Yankees, Aaron Judge, along with Anthony Rizzo, have a combined 50 home runs this year. The Tigers have 44 as a collective. They are chasing a pair of men on the New York Yankees right now with regards to their home run totals. It has been deplorable to take a look at. You've got a very pitcher-friendly ballpark and a guy that pitches the contact at Zach Plesak. So I do think that this is going to go well for the Cleveland Guardians in Game 1. Game 2, a little bit to be determined. It all depends upon what we wind up getting in terms of pitching matchup. But in Game 1, looking under, and I'm going to be looking at the Guardians. And coming up next, we're going to be taking a look at the New York sports scene with our good friend Will Hill of the New York City Cast right here on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. On VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. This is a look at On VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Greg Goop Spears and holding it down tonight for Scott Seidenberg. And great to be joined by our guests as we go out to the great state of New York. That's where we find Will Hill. He does a great job with the New York City cast. Over here at VSIN, we've got one for many different cities. New- New York, as we know, it's it is a city that never sleeps. And right now, I if you're a New York Yankees fan, you're able to sleep a little bit easier right now. And Will, great to have you aboard. Thank you so much for joining me. Oops, what's up, my man? It seems like it's the same story uh, every weekend with the Yankees. They just they seem to just keep winning games. Today, they took their foot off the gas a little bit with Judge and Lemayhew sitting out. But hey, when you're about 90 games over 500, you can uh, you can afford to rest a couple guys here and there. Yeah, this has been a very historic season for the New York Yankees thus far, and I think that we're in agreement here. Right now, when it comes to the American League, the New York Yankees are clear number one. The Astros are clear number two. Everyone else, they're right now competing for number three. But right now in the futures market, it is the Yankees and the Dodgers that are tied at the top at DraftKings at 4-1 to one to be able to win the World Series. How do you wind up taking a look at this Yankees team? Because as we know, right now it's summer months. Balls flying out, and this is a Yankees team that they've got no shortage of firepower. But do you have any concerns that this is a Yankees team that might be a little bit too reliant upon the deep ball when it comes to those September and October months? Yeah, and I think furthermore, uh, I mean, you look at the record and you think, wow, this is just a flawless team. But if you look at the lineup, I mean, Donaldson's given them nothing. I think Gallo's a guy, 
you need to get off yeah. the team or just get rid of his, his bats. He's an automatic out. He strikes out seemingly every time he goes up there. Hicks hasn't given you a whole lot. Even a guy like Kiner Falefa, he's okay at shortstop. He gives you nothing in terms of power. Um, so I think there's some areas for improvement here. I think we saw them versus Houston. When they're facing a good pitcher, uh, if Judge and Stanton aren't hitting the ball to the moon, this team has a hard time scoring runs. And, it, you know, again, can't criticize the team too much when they have this kind of record. But there are certainly some weaknesses here. I think adding at least one bat, maybe a guy like Ben Attendee, who I think would fit in well in Yankee Stadium, a lefty, balance out the lineup. It's very right-handed heavy. Uh, you know, he's played in big games. He's played in Boston. He, he knows that market. Uh, that could be a good bat. But I, I do think the Yankees team, look, the season starts in October. I mean, let's face it. They're going to win 110, 112 games. Even if they play 500 from here on out, they're going to win 100 games. Uh, there's, But that comes with one thing. That's going to put pressure on them come October. Because if you win 110, 112 games, team hasn't been to a World Series since 2009. Forget winning a World Series. They haven't been there since 2009. When you win 110, 112 games, you better get to a World Series. Now, if you got to the World Series and you lost to the Dodgers in six or seven games, you know what? You live with it. But if you lost to the White Sox in four games in the first round after having this kind of season, that would be embarrassing. Yep, and I do think that the question that I also have with the Yankees moving forward is, can this bullpen continue the absolutely amazing play? we've seen from them this season because I mentioned the Yankees and the Astros are the top two teams out there in the American League. They're also the top two teams in the league in terms of bullpen ERA and the New York Yankees. I want to just running the numbers on fan graphs. A 203 ERA in the last 30 days. That is absolutely ridiculous, but these are a lot of guys that they haven't necessarily been in the world's most pressure-packed spots, like Clay Holmes. I remember him best from a game in 2018 where in the 16th inning he walked Jordan Lyles with two outs a relief pitcher, and the Brewers wound up coming back to win the game. So this is someone that he hasn't been to the postseason with, was, was with the Pittsburgh Pirates a little bit earlier. Guys like Juani Peralta, Ray Maranacchio, these guys have really been able to step up, but do you think that this is going to be sustainable for them? Because it has been really one of the most impressive things I've seen this season. Yeah, the guy I worry the most about is somebody who has been to the postseason. That's Aroldis Chapman. <laughs> keep, the, keep him away from Oof. a big spot in the playoffs. Uh, I, and I know he pitched yesterday. He's back. They're going to try to integrate him in here. I wouldn't trust him. Forget the ninth inning. I wouldn't trust him with a lead. Uh, as far as Holmes, look, Holmes, whatever they've done, the Yankees pitching lab, they call it. Matt Blake, the pitching coach, it's incredible. I mean, you can't even get the ball out of the infield against Holmes. I, having watched this Yankee team pretty much every game, uh, I trust Holmes completely. Again, anyone can blow one in the big spot. Mariano Rivera blew him in big spots. But I, I trust Holmes. I get your point. I do think they can add another reliever here. Loisic is on his way back. Uh, you know, the Kings of the world, are they going to respond here in a big spot in October against the Astros? Well, we won't know until we see it. Uh, these teams, they can always use another bullpen guy, whether that's the Mets, the Yankees, pretty much any contender, every every trade deadline. I mean, you can never have enough bullpen arms. You never know what's going to happen come October uh, in terms of, you know, starters getting knocked out early. Uh, I mean, these games are won and lost, as you know, uh, in the playoffs, in the bullpen a lot of times. So, yeah, you can never have too many arms here, but uh, the Yankees, I mean, look, I, I think they're going to be a victim of their their own success because I would worry about Matt Blake getting a, a manager position because he's just been so good as a pitching coach here. I mean, you know, these free agents, they cost a lot of money to sign when it comes to starting pitchers, but if you can go out and get Matt Blake for a million bucks, a couple million bucks, uh, that's, that's a lot cheaper than signing a starting pitcher, and uh, he could be worth his weight in gold. Yeah, I mean, it's been absolutely incredible. I, I brought up the example of Clay Holmes just to show how far that guy has come. I mean, Nestor Cortez, I mean, in 2020, yeah. he was with the Seattle Mariners and had north of a 10 ERA, and now he's 
been one of the best pitchers out there in the big leagues, probably going to be finding himself in the all-star game in a few weeks. So it has been incredible to take a look at that. And you did wind up mentioning the New York Mets as well. As we take a look at DraftKings, their odds to be able to win the NL East. They're at a minus 180. And I feel like this is just a different Mets team this season. I know that they've been in a little bit of a funk recently, but when you wind up playing two series in two weeks against the Houston Astros, a couple losses, they're just pretty much imminent. But I just take a look at this New York Mets team, even though we have seen the Atlanta Braves be able to get on a little bit of a win streak, I have confidence in the New York Mets moving forward, especially with Max Scherzer coming back into the fold. Jacob DeGrom, it's just been a little bit of a touch-and-go situation there, but I do take a look at this Mets team, and I think that they're different from past years, and really the reason why is Buck Showalter. Yeah, I would go one step further because I agree with you completely about Showalter. It goes back to Thanksgiving weekend when they signed Scherzer, they signed Escobar, Canna, Marte, and it was like, wow, it's a new regime here with the ownership because if you know anything about the Mets and the Mets fans, under the Wilpons, it was always just waiting for the other shoe to drop. Uh, they had financial problems. They couldn't really afford you know, to spend when they did spend. It was the Robbie Cano's. It was a disaster. Uh, this guy, this guy Cohen will spend, he'll spend to get rid of Cano. He, you know, he doesn't care who's making what it's about winning. And, you know, they've shown you some toughness. Every time the Braves kind of creep in, the Mets respond. Uh, they, they've responded in terms of, you know, playing well when they're behind and coming back to win some of these games, similar to the Yankees. Uh, I think we're heading for a pennant race. I mean, you, you got to feel good about where you are. If you're the Mets, I mean, you haven't gotten anything out of DeGrom. You've missed Scherzer for what? Five, six weeks. Now he's back Tuesday. Uh, and here you are, you're three and a half games up in, in first place. And DeGrom, I don't know if you saw this, oops, uh, he threw a rehab game tonight, finally back on a mound, facing hitters, a little rusty, pitched two innings, only five strikeouts. He threw about, I don't know, eight or nine pitches over 100 miles an hour, including his first pitch was 101 miles an hour. So uh, that's, a, that's a pretty good sign if you're the Mets, if you're getting that version of DeGrom back, if you're getting Scherzer back. And they're another team. I'm sure they'll add a bat, which they can desperately use. I'm sure they'll add a bullpen guy. And we'll have a pennant race between them and the defending champs. Should be a lot of fun. And heck, the namesake of myself, David Peterson, has actually been able to give them yeah. some relatively solid innings. So great name and a great pitcher there, Trevor Williams. I don't say I have a lot of faith in him, but I mean, when that's pretty much your number six, number seven starter, you know that you're in relatively good hands. And well, well that's a good point. Yeah, that's a good point because these guys, once the Grom and Scherzer come back, not only is your starting rotation going to be back, but that's going to bump one of these starters to the bullpen. So your bullpen's going to be even stronger. If they could ever get McGill back, he'd be a perfect setup guy. I don't know with his shoulder issues. Sounds like he's going to be out for a while. He might be out the year. I don't know if you can count on him, but the bullpen's going to get stronger once these uh, once these starters come back. Yep, he's already hit the injured list twice at McGill, and whenever he's been out there, he's been able to do a relatively solid job even last season. But to your point, just a case of which one you wind up having a guy hit the injured list twice like he has this early on in the season. You got to be having question marks moving forward. And, well, we can't get you out without talking about what we've all seen with regards to the NBA in the last week or so as the Nets, they're right at the forefront of it. Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, we have no idea what's going to be happening there. But looking forward at the Brooklyn Nets, you got to figure that at least one, if not both of those guys, are going to be out of the fold. And I just think that taking a look at the landscape of Hoops out there in the great state of New York. It's going to be relatively rough moving forward because I think that this is just such a fluid situation. And the haul that the Nets are going to be able to get back, I think it's going to be solved. But it's just a strange situation in general. It certainly is. And I've gone through all the teams, and we can certainly come up with trades. But when you look at what Gobert got in return, I don't know that you can find a team that's going to offer something more than Gobert. 
I haven't ruled it out. I don't think this is likely. I haven't ruled out the idea that Durant stays, that they, you know, they say, you know what? Hey, we called around every team. We can't just give you away here because we all, we owe all of our picks to the Rockets. We need to be made whole. We need to get blown away here. You're Kevin Durant. You're, you're our franchise. You're the reason we traded all these picks. We're not going to just give you away. That being said, who's going to step up and, and sell the farm for Durant? Because if you, if you trade a bunch of players, like he said, uh, it was reported yesterday, you know, he wants to play for the Heat. But he wants to play with Butler, with Adebayo, and with Lowry. Well, how's that going to work exactly? So, uh, and if you trade him for picks, well, those picks aren't valuable because Durant's on the team. I'm not sh- so sure it's going to be easy to find a trade partner where the Nets are satisfied. And again, Durant's going to have to sign off on this because if he doesn't want to go there, he's got a, a way of you know killing this deal. And to your point, I mean, four first-round picks and four other players for Rudy Gobert. That I like Rudy Gobert. Rudy Gobert is not worth that much. I, it feels like we're both in agreement there. And if you're getting that, he for makes Gobert. a fortune too. Gobert. I mean, Gobert makes a lot of money. That was a strange trade. Yep. You should be making more money, Will Hill, because you do an absolutely amazing job. I don't know if we can get you Gobert money, but always do appreciate it with Will Hill. He does amazing work and coming back. Gonna take a look at some baseball for the Fourth of July right here. I'm Beeson, Esports Betting Network. It is a look at right here on VEASAN, the Esports Bank. Now we're Craig Oops-Peterson holding it down for Scott Seidenberg tonight. And a big thanks to Will Hill. He does a great job with our New York City cast. One of the many that we wind up doing here. We've got a couple city casts that are designated to give you a betting perspective on your favorite market. Like we've got New York with Will Hill, who just joined me. Does an amazing job there. Ryan Rothstein holds it down for Philadelphia. We've got Chicago, Denver, Los Angeles, Washington, D.C., Detroit, so you got a lot of different ones. So a big thanks to Will for joining me in the last segment. And it'll be interesting to take a look at the New York Yankees and the New York Mets moving forward. As could you imagine if we wound up getting another Subway series in the World Series? I'm sure that that would be a ratings bonanza. And the folks over there in the MLB offices, they would certainly be busting out the champagne for that one. But let's take a look at some games that we're going to be getting for this 4th of July as we got a good one that's going to be going down out there in Atlanta, in my opinion, as we go 9:57, 9:58. The St. Louis Cardinals are going to be on the road facing off against the Braves as Kyle Wright hopes to be Mr. Wright for the Atlanta Braves. And you have to go to Hudson on the bump for St. Louis. St. Louis is finding themselves as pretty sizable underdog anywhere team plus 140 and seeing size plus 152. And when it comes to Atlanta, going to be getting them anywhere between about a minus 165 to minus 172 with a nine being your total with the over having juice of right around minus 115 across the board. And I am going to be taking a look at the under. Now, Dakota Hudson is a guy that I always fear taking unders with personally because with Dakota Hudson, he's not a high strikeout guy. He gives up quite a few walks, and yet somehow, some way, he winds up being able to hold the ball in the yard really well and doesn't have an ERA that's hovering right around like eight. I don't know how and I don't know why, but Dakota Hudson has time and time again been able to do a relatively solid job being able to get a whole bunch of ground balls for this St. Louis Cardinals team. I mean, you take a look at the fielding independent compared to the ERA thus far this season. 446 fielding independent compared to a 383 on the ERA. Gives up four walks per nine innings, five strikeouts per nine innings, but 0.7 home runs per nine. He's really good at being able to induce ground balls. And for the St. Louis Cardinals, it is still a relatively solid bullpen. Now, Genesis Cabrera currently being on the injured list. That does wind up hurting them, but Junior Fernandez along with 
someone like a Ryan Elsley. These guys have been relatively solid. Zach Thompson is someone they've they've turned into a long reliever as well. And for Kyle Wright, getting right around nine and a half strikeouts per nine innings, two and a half walks per nine, has done a nice job holding the ball in the yard right around .7 home runs per nine innings of his own. And he's backed up by an Atlanta Braves team that they've got the top bullpen ERA out there in the National League. A.J. Minter, he wound up having a little bit of a rough series against the Cincinnati Reds, but by and large, he's been able to do a nice job for this team. Dylan Lee is a long guy that they have brought up, and he has been incredible for the team. Jesse Chavez at his advanced age, still giving you some relatively solid innings. So got a lot of guys who are able to put it together there. And when it comes to the St. Louis Cardinals team, they've been ripping the cover off the ball, but you got to keep in mind something that I've been noticing this season. When teams wind up playing on Sunday Night Baseball, the following day on that Monday, it has not been going well for a lot of these teams. We've wound up seeing it last week with the LA Dodgers. They went to extra innings with the Atlanta Braves. They follow that up on that Monday, and they wind up getting torched by the Colorado Rockies. And as a matter of fact, there was a Sunday night baseball game a little bit earlier in the year, which the Dodgers wound up having to play the next game against the Pittsburgh Pirates, and they wound up losing to the Pittsburgh Pirates. I believe that teams that play on Sunday night baseball in their next game, they're hitting below 40% on the money line right now. So it has been a rough go of it. Whenever you've had teams on Sunday night baseball, having to turn it around, and I do feel like rest is a little bit of something. Also, the travel as well. It's not necessarily the worst going from Philadelphia over to Atlanta, but still something to keep in mind, in my opinion. But you do have a Cardinal scene that may be able to do a great job of being able to just put back the ball in general. Tommy Edmond, Juan Yepes, both of these guys hitting between about a 272, 280. Nolan Arenado, along with Paul Goldschmidt, have really been able to do a nice job in terms of the power numbers, 36 home runs between the two of them, entering into Sunday Night Baseball with Goldschmidt, hitting in the neighborhood about a 340. So these guys have been absolutely tremendous. And then on the flip side, for the, for the Atlanta Braves, Austin Riley has been able to give you 20 home runs. You've had him doing a solid job being able to get on base. Stancy Swanson throwing there. Matt Olson, pair of guys giving you a double-digit amount of homers, pair of guys Doing a nice job of being able to reach base with Swanson, a little bit more of the batting average, right around 300. Olsen, right around a 350 on base. Marcelo Zuna in that series against the St. Louis Cardinals. He wound up being able to get multiple homers, so it's starting to come together for him. But I do take a look at this spot. And I do think that it's going to be a case in which the St. Louis Cardinals are going to have a little bit of a tough time traveling to Atlanta. I do think that this is a case in which at Sunday Night Baseball Bugaboo, it is going to be affecting them just a little bit. But I do think that Kyle Wright. Going to be able to lend a really good start here for the Atlanta Braves. I was willing to lay on the money line of the Atlanta Braves up to right around a minus 160, but you do take a look at the run line. You're right now finding it with the Atlanta Braves right around about a plus 120 to a plus 125. I would need a little bit more of a plus 125 personally, but I would be willing to nibble on that run line to go along with this little under. As I do think that Dakota Hudson, he's probably going to have a little bit of a rough go of it, but the bullpen line, they've got his back to be able to hold this thing under nine. And then you've got a... Big West Coast game between the San Francisco Giants and the Arizona Diamondbacks towards the back half of the evening, 9.59, 9.60 on the betting board as Madison Bumgarner is going to be going for Arizona and Carlos Rodon. He is on the bump for San Francisco. And with the San Francisco Giants, going to be finding them in right around the minus 175 to minus 180 neighborhood as it stands right now. And when it comes to the Arizona Diamondbacks, we've seen them shift up a little bit. They opened up a plus 150 underdog. Now you're finding them in that neighborhood about a plus 155 to a even as high as plus 163 I'm seeing out here in Las Vegas. And total has come down. Opened up at 8.5. Now you're finding it at an 8. And I do agree with this move on the total. I would be taking a look 
Now a little bit more at an over eight, but I felt like at eight and a half, it was a little bit too lofty. I wound up setting my total at an 8.2 personally. And with Carlos Rodon, he has been incredible at being able to get swings and misses this year. Right around 11 and a half strikeouts per nine innings for the San Francisco Giants team. Meanwhile, Madison Baumgartner, the swing and miss stuff is not necessarily there with him right now. Eight, six and a half strikeouts per nine innings has been a little bit better at home than he has been on the road. He's able to lower his ERA by about a full point when he is at home. But for Mad Bum, certainly a case in which he's not necessarily the guy that he once was. But what I find really interesting about Madison Baumgartner, and this is just a little bit of a side note here, Madison Baumgartner is right now 32 years old. I'm sure that a lot of you guys listening to this are thinking, man, how is he not 38 years old right now? But He's 32 years old. He was part of all those San Francisco Giants teams. And wound up winning the World Series. He's best known for a game that was played right around like eight to nine years ago against the Kansas City Royals. And he's right now 32 years old. I, I still can't believe it. But with that said, with Madison Bumgarner, he's been around for quite a while. Three walks per nine innings. And he's really given up the deep ball this year. One and a half home runs per nine innings. That has been a big bugaboo from really ever since he wound up getting to Arizona a few seasons ago. And Carlos Rodon giving up a little bit over a half home run per nine innings. So he's done a great job of being able to keep the ball in the yard. And when it comes to the Arizona Diamondbacks, they've been intriguing with regards to their home and road splits. They haven't really been able to hit for average regardless of where they've been. But with the Arizona Diamondbacks, this has been one of the best teams at being able to hit home runs when they're on the road. As a matter of fact, they're getting a little bit over a home run and a half when they're on the road. Meanwhile, at home, 0.88 home runs per nine innings. That's one of the biggest discrepancies out there in the big leagues and for the San Francisco Giants. Been a squad that has been able to do a nice job of being able to have just balance in terms of their lineup. You've really only got one guy that's been able to give you a double digit amount of homers. That'd be Jack Peterson. He has been rock solid, but a lot of these guys like a Tommy Lestella, like a Wilmer Flores, Mikey Sharmsky, they're in between about a 235 to a 250. You don't really have a lot of dead bats with regards to the San Francisco Giants team, but you don't necessarily have that one guy other than Jack Peterson in terms of homers that has been able to bust out and has had a relatively big year now. With the San Francisco Giants, you're going to need Carlos Rodon to be able to give you a longer start in this one because they wound up using a bullpen game against the Chicago White Sox on Sunday, and the bullpen game did not wind up going as planned as they did not wind up getting really much effective play out of a lot of those guys, but Dominique Leon should be available in this game along with Jarlon Garcia, so that helps out in terms of being able to shore things up late in this game and for the years the Diamondbacks. They wound up using up just a whole bunch of arms in their series against Colorado Rockies. And you don't have a lot of reliable arms to start with. Joe Manette typically has a sub-2 ERA, but he wound up having to come out of the bullpen on Sunday. Kyle Nelson, he wound up getting used up in both Saturday and Sunday's game. That's not necessarily too terrific. He's got a sub-2 ERA for the team. And then you wind up getting into the guys like J.B. Wendell, Ken, Mark Melanson, and company that have been posting up north of a 5 ERA. So not been necessarily so rosy. On that front as well, and with regards to the Arizona Diamondbacks, just not having guys being able to get on base in general has really been hurting this team. I do think that N and 8, we've went a little bit too low because we've got a pair of bullpens that haven't necessarily been too terrific, and it's been surprising with the San Francisco Giants. Something that I really feel has went under the radar with this Giants team is the way that Buster Posey wound up calling games because you take a look at the bat being out of the fold and recognize that guys like Kirk Casale and company have not been able to fill in for him at the catcher spot. Awesome wins. Uh, he was able to pitch for the San Francisco Giants in the ninth inning on Sunday, but I mean, those are not a proper replacement for him in terms of the bat, but really the way that he wound up calling the games, just the little things that he wound up doing in the clubhouse, I do feel like that's been a little bit added to the just 
fault that we've seen from the San Francisco Giants from last year to this year. So I do think that that's a little bit under the radar. But with that said, now seeing the eight up on the board, this is where my buy point would be on the over. And with the San Francisco Giants, I'm looking at a little bit of a run line right now, seeing that at minus 110 at DraftKings. That'd be pretty much a max I'd be willing to lay, but I'd be willing to lay the minus 110 on the run line. And in the final segment, going to be going over what I've got with regards to my DK Nation pick for the MLB on Monday and all that I like for this 4th of July right here on VEASAN Esports Bank Network. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Look ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. The VSIN Summer Special is here. For just $19, you get everything that VSIN has to offer from now until the end of July. Sign up today and you'll be able to get VSIN's daily best bets, including Adam Burke's MLB daily best bets. You also get NFL preseason coverage and premium articles when it comes to US, UFC, golf. USFL is now done, so we're going to be turning a little bit more to NASCAR and all sorts of motorsports. And if you want the full VEASAN experience, which includes a daily best bet email, every single additional point spread weekly, and use of our betting tools and live video streaming, cost is just $19. Be a subscriber now until July 31st. You're able to get this offer at vcin.com slash summer as it is the final segment of the look ahead with myself, Greg Peterson, and it is going to be a tremendous 4th of July. My job is trying to, uh, to try to make it a little bit more profitable for you. So how about if we wind up diving into what I all like with regards to the MLB Diamond? Now, I would give you guys picks on the hot dog eating contest. I I like the two favorites and Mickey Sudo along with Joy Chestnut, but I don't encourage you guys to really wind up taking those as right now you're finding both of them as north of a minus 3,000 favorite right now. If you're really wanting to get down on the hot dog eating contest, I would say that you probably want to be looking at one of these like ancillary markets where you're able to take a look at the amount of total hot dogs eaten because there are some of those out there like Joey Chestnut, you're getting a minus 150 on 74 and a half or more. Honestly, I would take a look at the under. I mean, Joey Chestnut is a completed under machine, but I getting a plus 120 on under 74 and a half hot dogs, and these are Nathan's hot dogs that we are talking about right here. Be able to get that plus price, I think that is relatively appealing here. I'm someone that I wound up doing hot dog eating contests here at VEASAN, and I'm not even joking when I say this. The reason why we don't have eating competitions here at VEASAN is because I bought up choking on one of the hot dogs and Brian Rogers had to pretty much save my life as a result. It was five hot dogs in five minutes. 
I tried to get down the fifth hot dog in the final seconds. We wound up just going for it. And, well, yeah, that didn't wind up turning out very well. So that is why there's no hot dog eating contest at VSIN. I take full responsibility for it. If you want to blame anyone, bring that blame to me at GNN underscore D1. I am sorry if I robbed you of any 4th of July fun. As a result, I take full responsibility for it. But I'll go under 74 and a half hot dogs. It just blows the human mind as to what he was able to do. Now, he did wind up getting 76 last year, 2020. He wound up having 75. But we all take a look. We all overlook the fact that he did wind up losing in one of those years. In 2015, I think that he was actually beaten by Matt Stoney. He wound up having 60 hot dogs that season. Ever since then, he wound up coming back with a little bit of a vengeance. But... If you take a look at the last seven years, he's only exceeded the 74 hot dog mark twice. And that's the last two years. I just feel like we might be seeing a little bit more wearing down. I do think that we could wind up seeing a number more like 72, 73 here. So I do like the under on Joey Chestnut. Hot dogs of 74 and a half. When it comes to who's going to wind up winning this competition, I don't think that the field bet is there for you. And when you're laying north of minus 3,000 on Joey Chestnut on Mickey Sudo, it's just not worth it there. So that's my take on the hot dog eating competition. And my handicap is that I once wound up doing hot dog eating contests that wound up going unsuccessfully. So take that with a grain of salt. And if there's one thing that you want to take away from this like two to three minute manifesto that I wound up doing on the hot dog eating contest, don't put your rent money on the hot dog eating contest. Please don't put your rent money on it. Don't, don't do anything like that. This is not the time to wind up pushing all in on a bunch of men and women eating hot dogs. There's better use of being able to find a good spot than the hot dog eating contest. And this is more of one in which you wind up betting enough to be able to buy some hot dogs for yourself. So there's that. Let's take a look at the ball diamond and a little bit more of a traditional event for the 4th of July as we do take a look at what we're going to be getting out there in the city of Boston. 967, 968 on the betting board. Writing this one up for DK Nation as the Tampa Bay Rays. They're on the road. They're facing off against the Boston Red Sox. And Michael Walker is going to get the start for the Sox. And Jalen Beeks is going to be pretty much the opener of a bullpen game for the Tampa Bay Rays. Rays are finding themselves plus 115 at DraftKings. Minus 135 on the Boston Red Sox is your price. And your total is 10.5. Under is minus 115. The over is minus 105. And with the Tampa Bay Rays... I wound up saying them more around a plus 145 in terms of their price as an underdog. So I'm going to lay the minus 135 here with the Red Sox. But what really appeals to me is the under in this spot. I set my total at nine because Michael Walker has been lights out at home thus far this season. He has made six starts in the city of Boston, buck 39 ERA, having given up two runs or fewer in each out of his six starts. So he has been dynamic with that regard. And the Boston Red Sox bullpen has been able to come along for the ride a little bit as well. Had a really rough start to the season over the last 30 days. They're right around 11th, 12th in terms of bullpen ERA, right around a 350. So fairly respectable mark there. And when it comes to this Boston Red Sox team, it's a very top-heavy lineup. And as a matter of fact, both of these lineups are relatively top-heavy. J.D. Martinez, Xander Bogarts, throw in there Rafael Devers along Jaron Duran. These guys are all hitting above a 300 for the Boston Red Sox with really only one of these guys hitting for a double-digit amount of homers in Rafael Devers. You're going to notice that both of these teams had a little bit of a tough time with the deep ball. They both rank right around 20th in terms of home runs per game. Tampa Bay Rays have been able to get some reinforcements back in Juan Franco. He is back in there. He, Randy Rosarena, Isaac Paredes, ranking between about a 252 and 260. And if you haven't heard of Isaac Paredes, if he was actually an up-and-coming prospect for the Tigers, go figure. The Tampa Bay Rays wind up being able to get him 
on a relatively good contract, and they, I believe that he was a part of that Austin Meadows deal, if I remember correctly. I might be mistaken on that, but they were able to pick him up, and of course, the Tampa Bay Rays doing a solid job with the trade. What else is new? But he's hit eight home runs over the last 15 days. He has been just absolutely on fire, but only past that, you don't have a lot of power bats when it comes to the team, and you take a look at the bottom of the fold, guys like Vito Brujan, Tyler Walls, Rene Pinto, Brett Phillips. These guys are all hitting a buck seventy-five or lower. And for the Boston Red Sox, they've been able to get a lot out of guys like Christian Arroyo, Bobby Dahlbeck, Jackie Bradley Jr. and company. Jackie Bradley Jr. Many of you guys know he's out there for his glove rather than out there to be able to give you much on offense. And for the Tampa Bay Rays in these wholesale game, it is a bullpen that they currently rank eighth in terms of bullpen ERA, posting up about a three thirty-two as a collective. Got guys like a Jason Adam, Colin Pooch should have been able to post up a sub-250 ERA. And for the opener and Beaks, got right around 270 ERA. Don't expect him to go too long. He has went two and a third innings or less in every one of his appearances this season. And the Rays have used him quite a bit in these bullpen games as an opener. This is actually going to be the fifth game that he's going to be starting this season. So this is not something that is new for the Tampa Bay Rays. It's not being done out of like a super emergency or anything like that. So they've got a little bit of practice there, but... For Michael Walker, I do think that he's going to come out, going to be able to give Boston a relatively solid performance. And for Boston, this is typically a ballpark that is a little bit more hitter-friendly. And I do think that it is going to be a little bit more hitter-friendly as the just season winds going along in general as these summer months wind up being able to add up. But the Red Sox have given up now four runs or fewer in 12 out of their last 15 home games. So they've been able to do a solid job there. With both of these teams having a little bit of a tough time driving the ball out of the yard in the race, entering into Sunday 23rd in the league in terms of runs per game with right around 4.1. I do see a little bit of a lower scoring game here for the 4th of July. A little bit of an earlier one if you're out here on the West Coast, 10.35 a.m. Pacific, 1.35 p.m. Eastern first pitch time. So I'm going to be taking a look at the under in this spot. That's what the write-up is going to be based around. And I do like the Boston Red Sox in this spot as well. And I'm a man from the state of Wisconsin. I haven't hit it on this game. So in the final two minutes... I am pretty much obligated to hit on this one, 953-954. Milwaukee Brewers are going to be playing us to the Chicago Cubs as Justin Steele is going to be going for the Cubs and Eric Lauer is going to be on the bump for Milwaukee. Your total on this game is 9 and the Brewers, they're finding themselves as right around a minus 145 to a minus 150 favorite and with the Cubs, you're going to be getting them between a plus 125 and a plus 135 and for Eric Lauer, it's not been going well for him recently. Three plus runs surrendered in each out of his last six games. Now, a few of those runs were unearned, so he's been hurt a little bit by the fielding, but has not necessarily been impressive, and I think that this is just so important for taking a look at this total. Josh Hader, Devin Williams, both wound up getting used up in the game on Sunday, and not only did they wind up getting used up, Hader wound up throwing 30-plus pitches. You wound up having Williams throw 20-plus. Got to think that that knocks these guys out of this game. Now, you still have Hobie Milner out there in the bullpen, but I think that that's an important note because you've got a Brewers offense that, other than when they play against the Cincinnati Reds, they're not necessarily too terrific, but you've also got a Chicago Cubs bullpen that, boy, oh boy, it is a mess for these guys. You take a look at the last 30 days, and you want to talk about a team that's getting absolutely smoked. They are of a 583 ERA in this time span. The only team that's worse is the Cincinnati Reds, which 774 ERA for the Reds in the last 30 days. Not great. Not great at all. But with Justin Seal, he's been, in my opinion, very lucky in the way that he's been able to keep the ball in the yard, giving up right around nine hits per nine innings. He's giving up four walks per nine innings. And yet, here he is with an ERA that is sub five. And I don't really know how he's been struggling a little bit more when he's been on the road. I do think that it's going to be a little bit of a tough time for him. I do think that Eric Lauer 
got right around 250-ish ERA. He's going to be able to get up off the mat. I think that he's going to be able to do a little bit of a better job in this spot. I do like the Brewers. I do think that the Brewers should be able to put up quite a few runs with guys like Rowdy Tellez along with along with having William Thomas be able to give you 16 home runs overall for the season. So I like the total over. And I like the run line of the Milwaukee Brewers. And I like everything that we've got for the 4th of July. Hopefully you guys have a safe and a fun one. And hopefully I can make it a little bit more profitable for you. And yeah, you covered all day long. Right? At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.